What's up, everybody? Um, welcome to this really, 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 really late, um, I guess, overview recap thoughts on Watchmen, the HBO series, uh, episode four. Um, this this episode is titled "If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own." So, it starts at a place where we meet, we see like basically two um two people on a farm where where it's safe to assume they're a young couple and and they run a farm and you know they sell eggs and all this type of stuff but very soon in we get to meet a new character named lady true she she knocks on their door and basically tells them like how people don't see her but she's building a giant monument clock thing about you know a little ways away in in oklahoma in Tulsa, oklahoma and that essentially she would like to buy their farm and their 40 acres of land. And what she has to offer them is a child because this family cannot have children. They tried in one of her clinics. So she had their data, uh, their information, their DNA, and she essentially made them a child. Uh, she's a trillionaire. They have three minutes to decide. They end up after much, uh, I guess, uh, thought and worry. Also worry for the child because they don't know what's going to happen to the kid if they decline. They're like, they don't know if she's going to destroy the baby or not, which is a weird thing to say. But so they take it. She, they sign. She gets to land. And at a certain time, something falls out of the sky right into, you know, the land which was theirs, which is now hers, which is supposed to basically mirror. It's pretty easy to tell. It's, it's mirroring the the fall of Cal-El's ship into the, the Kansas landscape where Jonathan and Martha Kent, when driving on the road in that old pickup, sees it and finds finds the baby who they raised him as Superman. This is another Superman allegory. Now we also find out that this is basically in the more recent past, since that area then basically dissolve fades into the area of downtown Tulsa that we know now, with um Angela's uh bakery, which hasn't opened yet. And we see basically Angela go in there. She starts cleaning her old place for any type of possible uh, DNA or fingerprints of her grandfather. She cuts up the wheelchair, finds a way to, to, to basically dispose of it. And then at the same time, we get the ending of episode three, where the car falls out in front of Lori Blake and she starts laughing. Since tonight is now there. She's like, what in the world? Oh, actually, I'm a little bit wrong there. She cleans all up. She puts all that stuff in there. She ends up at the uh, the little DNA like ancestry place. She gets in there. She puts the acorn in because she got a call that her acorn is ready. And she sees, she basically finds out that Will is her grandfather that she did not know. And some of the 
fact of her great grandparents and their death that we saw in the beginning of the first episode. So my bad for being a little bit wrong with the the timeline. And then we get the car falling, which puts Lori and Angela back to each other because that car is Angela's car that was scooped away in episode two that Will was in. Now, Lori is like, so, uh, yeah, how'd your car get here? In which Angela doesn't want to explain, which just makes her a little bit more suspicious to Lori. So Angela ends up going home after radioing about her car. She sees that her husband, Cal, is asleep with the kids. She ends up sleeping in the room with her son, Topher, in which they kind of go over some of the events of today. They talk about whether or not he's scared or she's scared about the events, if things going to be okay. And overall, you know, the, the kid is, is, is seeming to do well with all these crazy events of, like, hanging uh, police chiefs and uh, terrorists, suicide bombers. But, you know, this kid's already seen a lot. From there... Um, Angela and Cal make breakfast for the kids. The kids talk about possibly where did uh, Judd go to heaven. Cal basically says he's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God that you just, you weren't here, then you're here, then when you die, you're nowhere. Um, I don't know if there's any real sentiment with the original book other than maybe Dr. Manhattan and his, you know, him basically being a God and not really believing in God to a certain degree. Uh, that, that There's nothing really I have yet to find that connects that to the old work. Uh, Angela then goes to Wade's house, Wade, a.k.a. Looking Glass, and he has basically a bomb shelter, and they talk, and she's like, she pulls out, like, Judd's plan outfit, and he's like, well, this is, you know, pretty surprising. Uh, they talk about basically the makeup of it is like kind of old, that is old school versus something you would see from the seventh cavalry. And they try to theorize whether he was a racist or not. And, you know, they had these beliefs in him, but you know, Hey, as Wade says, he's a white man, in Oklahoma. Uh, basically she also takes the pills that she got and she then decides to Give them to Wade so he can use his ex to find out what type of pills that they are. Um, so that is more back and forth between basically her main friend of the series. It's like, as I said before, they kind of have a relationship that rem- reminds you a bit of Night Owl 2 and Rorschach with the character that looks like Rorschach being more like Night Owl and you know, Angela kind of be a more Rorschach-ish in terms of some of her her leanings of beliefs. Um, basically, Angela put back her outfit, Assistant Knight, takes the bag with the cut-up wheelchair, throws it off an overpass into, like, a train, a trash container on a train, and then she turns around and sees, like, a dude in, like, a silver suit with his exposed lips, and she's like, what the fuck? And then she chases after him because, you know, vigilant costume people are illegal. So she's chasing him down and it's Bama on his belt. Take out some oil and like 
squirts it all over himself. Wild pause. And then he throws the belt off and the oil and it just like folds down and slides into like the um the the drain in which she then says, the fuck? Like, bro, it was really weird, but it was it was really well funny though. It's a good piece of humor in the middle of it. So she picks up the stuff that he threw off, goes back to the precinct. <laughs> she goes to like my favorite superhero name of all time. Pirate Jenny, right? And Red Scare. Maybe like my fourth favorite in this joint. Talking about this dude and which he he calls him Red Scare. He's like, so Lube Man. And then she finds out at this point that Lori is taking over the police station and sitting in Judd's office. She uh, has, you know, got some prints off of the car and then finds out about Will because he used to be a cop in the 40s, 50s in New York City. And he retired young and disappeared. That an old man that's about 100 will have a wheelchair. So, again, Lori's getting closer to the case. Good old Dave Petey comes in, talks to Lori. Uh, Lori tells Angela they have another lead. They're about to go off and uh, go visit somebody. They're about to visit um, Lady True. So during this this car ride in which it's Lori driving, Sister Knight or Angela in the passenger seat, and Dave Petey of good old Petey Petey in the back, uh, Lori talks about some of her ideas of vigilantism and wearing a mask and how it's basically connected to a person's trauma and how they're basically dealing with that through wearing the mask. Also, her way of calling uh, um, a a mer- something that happens out of completely out of the blue a circumstance a a thermodynamic miracle, which is again something that good old Doctor Manhattan used to say, especially in that issue where. Uh, Dr. Manhattan and Lori are on Mars as, you know, he's showing her his glass clockwork marvel. (laughs) So during this conversation, uh, Angela basically is kind of basically just treating Lori like she don't know what the fuck she's talking about. It It was Lori tells Petey to go ahead and bust her down with some of the knowledge of a who Lori is. And then he goes and basically tells her um, about the fact that her father is the comedian. Her mother is the original Silk Spectre, and which ends up like, like the people on the TV show. And then Petey goes around how to basically the show is trash and it changes too much. It has no connection to reality and about essentially the whole, you know, the rape scene from the book uh, that Hooded Justice stops. And that basically informs Angela a bit into who Lori is. They still don't blatantly come out and tell people that's like, oh, snap, like this is Silk Spectre 2, later the comedian and um, and all that. But you get enough that Angela now has a better understanding of who Lori is and that she's not really just spouting out bullshit, even though she's got mad jokes and, and, and cynical ideas on everything. <laughs> They end up at Lady True, this Millennium Clock, this large tower in Oklahoma that we first hear about in episode in the last episode when Laurie and Petey fly in as he kind of explains how Lady True basically bought Ozymandias' company and started building these things. 
And basically, you meet uh, Lady True's daughter, Bien, and she gives him a tour and end up meeting Lady True. And then we basically find out that, you know, Lady True is Vietnamese. She's from the 51st state. And basically, Lady True talks to um, Angela in Vietnamese because Angela was born in Vietnam and then moved to Oklahoma later. She also speaks Vietnamese. And basically, True basically tells her, uh, asks her if she got the pills and the, as it is a message from Will, basically says she know what's up. Like, I'm in on this. Angela is like, you know what I'm saying? Basically, fuck that old nigga. Um, all this passive aggressive shit is some bullshit. He can go holler at me himself. And, you know, they keep it moving like it's just like random ass, like, uh, like Vietnamese, like proverbs or something. And the whole time they're kind of acting like Lori don't know how to speak Vietnamese. But I have a feeling Lori knows a lot more than she's always leading on. So they actually talking mad reckless in front of her. But it's interesting because it now shows Angela like this is going a little bit deeper than she knew. That he does have friends in high places, you know, her grandfather. And that this is going to be real interesting. And then basically Lori sees like a, a, a statue of, of Adrian Wright. Ozymandias, but as he looks now, which is interesting, it's not when he was young, when he was, you know, doing the deed of making fake Cthulhu monsters, but as he looks now and how she likes to honor the grace of the past as they would be, and Laurie's kind of like, he ain't shit, because, you know, to Laurie, he ain't shit, since, you know, she was there at the reveal of the whole plan this, that, and third. We don't know at this point if Lady True knows about the plan or not. So, like, after that, basically, I'm going to come back to the agent Vite part later, but here's a go home. She starts arguing with Cal, who's reading things fall apart. She spoils it for him because she wants to get into a fight. During the car ride over, Lori lets her know that she went over and talked to Cal Angela ain't too happy about that because Cal didn't tell her. And instead of really getting into an argument, they basically have a discussion about things, about the stuff he knows, the fact that he doesn't like lying, and that he believes that Lori is working within good faith. Angela's like, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to find Will myself. I'm going to figure this out. We did. They also kind of make up and, you know, try to go have sex. We then cut to being in, asleep in her room in this tower and she wakes up from a nightmare. She goes to find her mom, Lady True. And she explains about that she had a nightmare that, that her mother, she had a nightmare that, that is about uh, men came to a village to burn it and the men made the villagers walk a lot and her feet hurt. And True says this is good and refuses to walk her water daughter back to bed. And being on the way says goodbye to Will, who we see that Will Reeves is sitting there chilling in the clock tower with Lady True the whole time. She was keeping him in the back when they was all over. Real gang gang stuff. And True and Will is talking. True's concerned because 
she's starting to think that Will might not be, that he might be taking it easy on his granddaughter in, in terms of like, like stringing her along with finding out things. And she's just like, you just need to tell her because all this stringing along stuff is too cute. You're going to mess the game up. And Will's like, I'm about about it. He raised up out the wheelchair, shows he don't need the wheelchair. They comment about the stuff that True is doing with BN. And it's like, this is a little bit different. We don't know what's going on with BN to a degree. And then basically Will's like, yo, Angela ain't going to rock with me soon. As she found out what I did, that I betrayed her. And then basically he looks up and he just says TikTok a lot. Don't know what saying TikTok means. The um, 7th Calvary also says TikTok a lot. The interesting thing about the BN nightmare is that it reminds you of the scene in the book where we see Dr. Manhattan in a comedian in Vietnam War. Um, the comedian does basically some terrible thing to a, a Vietnamese woman and kills her right in front of him. Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan instead is there at this really cold, weird, confused, like perplexed nature of like what went on. And basically you, you led to believe that a lot of messed up things that happened in Vietnam happened because of the comedian. And he gave a lot of people the, the free reign to do terrible war crimes to people. And he then basically turns to Dr. Manhattan's like, you could have stopped me from doing everything. So don't think that you get away scot-free morally because you didn't kill anybody. When you are the most powerful being on the planet and you let me kill this woman. Her nightmare reminds you of this scene. So it can lead you to believe, did Lady True somehow clone be in? from that lady from like basically almost 50 years prior it is connected to that scene is she doing things with DNA of bringing people back who knows who knows the game plan about the secrets of the past and how it affects the the current the current state of things now to go back <laughs> crazy ass Adrian Veidt Adrian like basically pulls out some some babies out the water in like some type of like crab traps or something. It's really weird. And he did like she finds some other babies, he throws them back in there. It's like it's really weird. And then like he takes them down. He goes back to like this little base thing in his little, to the house and he puts them in basically uh uh shoot, I can't even a centrifuge, right? And basically, it spins around. And he eats some cake, and like they just go from babies to grown ass people. And then he says happy birthday because they like done and they're adults. And then he, they don't know how to talk yet. And he says like I'm your master, but I ain't make you. Uh, this again goes to the whole nation that he's basically in some type of weird jail. They can understand him, but they don't know how to talk yet. He takes him out, he put clothes on, he walks and they walk back with him and he sees basically like the dining room where he killed like a whole gang of them joints. And he asked him to help clean it up and then he takes the uh, the corpses and he puts them in catapults and he like flings them in the air. 
And yeah, it's just really weird. It's it's really weird. It's bugged out, to be quite honest. Like, it was the most bugged out out of his scenes today. I don't know how this connects yet. But clearly, Vice in jail and he wants to get out. Uh, that, you know, a lot of the stuff with the episode I kind of already talked about that, again, is another connection to, to the origin of Superman. And, you know, we get more interaction with, with Angela and Laurie and a type of connection of, of these two strong women, these two strong women heroes. And they added a whole new character to the mix. And not everybody, I think, felt that character of Lady True. She's interesting. She's clearly the more uh, Adrian Veidt-like character because she's working on different plane and she's really smart. Supposedly smarter than the rest. We'll see. But to cut back to um, Pedipedia, we have basically a a transcript of an interrogation of Lori Blake back from 1995 after she was caught. And basically her and Night Owl, who basically weren't on good terms at the time since they kind of broke up, stopped the Oklahoma City bombing. So this isn't, this show isn't her first time in Oklahoma. Uh, this is when she's the comedian. Uh, so basically they go a whole bunch of things about what she was doing and like, why did he stop her? But you know, she's like, I stopped this guy from blowing up a bunch of people and killing a bunch of people. So yeah, I broke the law, but big deal. You find stuff basically, you know, Dan, not snitching, not our real motherfucking G. Um, but she basically tells this thing at the end where she tells, she's like, she essentially says, um, oh, before that, you find out that as a breakup thing, Dan is super petty and made her that gigantic uh, blue atomic dildo as like a breakup gift, being petty about how they didn't really work out. They say, like, you still think about Mr. Ma- Dr. Manhattan. That is wild petty. It's also kind of funny. Wow, fucked up. You also find out that basically uh, Night Owl was funding their exploits by basically, as I thought earlier, like they took his patents. He was basically taking his patents and, re- and retrofitting them and selling them to police forces all throughout the country. That is why uh, Sheriff or Chief Judd in the beginning and Pirate Jenny was flying basically the Owl ship. Because it was a police issue owl ship that he sold to mad police organizations under a company he created called Merlin Corp. Because, you know, everything was him was connected to like the sword and the stone, you know, the owl, excuse me, and all that type of stuff. It's pretty interesting. But in the end, Lori tells them, I want to talk to your bosses because I know about 11 2. Basically, uh, yeah, she says, Tell your boss to tell his boss to tell his boss to tell Gatsby. And the reason why she says Gatsby is because um, my man Robert Redford played 
you know what I'm saying, Gatsby and the Great Gatsby back in the day, you know what I'm saying, in that uh, adaptation of the book, you know, it was kind of a fire Gatsby, though, you know what I'm saying, it's Robert Redford, that uh, Lori, she also says how she's supposed to say her name, it's like, shoot, I think she goes into it, it says like, Juice, Spet, oh man, I'm not finding it, but she says I spell her actual, like her correct, the correct way she's supposed to say her name. Which is tell him that I know what happened to Eleven too. So that's putting in your eyes that like, yo, more people might know about Ozymandias's, uh plot than we kind of knew of. That in the time that went on, maybe it is more than just Ozymandias, Silk Spectre 2, and Night Owl 2, and Dr. Manhattan that knows about what really happened. The other thing they have in there is basically like a a basically a patent drawing of the giant the the big atomic blue dildo. Just just the drawing of pettiness, but it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's all I really have. This this there's not a lot of stuff. This is basically the, the beginning of the second act, so it's kind of more set up in a in a middle in a middle chapter that you know what I'm saying that you can really delve into. Most of it's there, but it's kind of like building things up for like basically more reveals later on. Uh, I will hope that you enjoyed this episode. Sorry for being super late. It was basically too much, too many movies to review. Along with watching stuff and work got trash, and that held me back. But, you know, that's probably not an excuse in these days of super podcasts with producers and writers and stuff. But, hey, man, I'm an old school. uh, I'm an old school podcaster back when all you just had a microphone and a computer and you had to do everything yourself. So um, thank you to all the patrons who help support this show. Thank you for everybody who listens to this show. Please like, share and subscribe. Uh, You can review the Apple podcast if you would like. Um, IGBL podcast on Twitter, Julian Lido L Y T L E on Twitter, and on the other social media, uh, Ignorant Bliss Podcast gmail.com. If you ever want to write the show, talk about stuff, I'll be very willing to do so. Uh, and that's it. Uh, look forward uh, to talk to you more about this Watchmen. It's like one of my favorite shows of 2019. Uh, and with that, we have a peace. Peace out.